spent time with you not calling this fraud dude out from... He, he got a blog spot. His name is Kyle Scott. This phone, fraud this phony. Dude, let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think that, that that guy would be relevant to me? Not really. So like, 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 if I ever talked about him, wouldn't it be giving him more publicity than he really deserves? Some blogster... <laughs> You are probably you're hundred percent right. Oh, that's what I mean. Like, why why would I waste my energy on talking about somebody who runs a blog that's that's divisive? Like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Now we're gonna invite that little weasel on the show since he thinks it's easy to do sports talk radio. We're gonna invite him on the show mm -hmm. to see if he do can do sports talk radio. And you know what's gonna happen? Mm -hmm. He's gonna sit here and he's gonna go uh huh uh and he's gonna puke himself. And, and, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Hopefully that happened. But it, at the same time, he needs to be called to the carpet because that's he doesn't need to be called to the carpet. Just don't pay attention to him. He's like Levar Ball. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, right. Thank McCall, man. All right, man. I mean, come on. This is sports talk radio. Okay, this is legit. We're not we're not skulking around people's closet trying to trying to you know find a, a dirty sock. Uh, what that was, yeah, that was Mike Missinelli's show on Friday, and it's about to get interesting. Welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I am Adam Lefko, joined by Mr. LeVar Ball uh, himself, Kyle Scott, and Russell Joy. Uh, Joy on Broad on Twitter, at Crossing Broad. I'm at Adam Lefko. What is going on? Uh, we are going to go more on uh, some Sixers take uh, the show. How about this? Got as high as 56 on iTunes. The reviews were up to 99. You guys are awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, Kyle, uh, what the hell happened on Friday, man? You and Russell were in Slack going back and forth talking about 97.5. And what what the heck happened? Yeah, uh, well, I appreciate the Russell Ball comparison from those guys. I can start selling my own sneakers. Um, well, well, how did I get dragged in into this nonsense? I mean, I, I at least have hair. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, didn't isn't that what someone called me on there? Isn't that the, the call? Ball? Like Lavar Le, Ball. You just said Russell Ball. Which Did is I like really? A Freudian slip wow. or something? So wow, it's a weird is, yeah, combination. I mean, I'm I'm proud of my sons, but I don't know if I'm gonna demand three billion dollars for them. I'm yeah. only like halfway through the coffee. I blame it on that. Um, all right, so I'll I'll set this up for people who aren't familiar. Uh, so two thirty on Friday. That audio you heard, that was a portion of the audio from Mike Missinelli's show, kind of out of nowhere. I don't know if they were, I think their general topic was the media, and someone called up and mentioned me, and that's when Mike sort of went in. So I wasn't listening, but whenever this happens, I'll get a bunch of tweets about it. So I just retweeted a couple of them, and they said, you know, Mike, Mike's ripping you on the air or whatever. And I retweeted it, and I said, well, that's more original content than he's had in weeks. And I followed that up with... Uh, Here's where I'd remind you that our podcast today was better than anything sports radio, sports talk radio put out in the last month. Um, so that's Friday afternoon, getting ready to go with the wife and kid to Rita's Water Ice. And uh, I get a call Ooh. out of nowhere from Matt Nahagian uh, 20 minutes later, who's the program director over there. I didn't realize it was him at first. I took it on my Apple Watch, and it was just like a 664 number. Um, so I finally, he's like, hey, it's Matt. I'm like, Who? And we go back and forth, and uh, I've spoken to him a bunch before, um, and we have like somewhat of a working relationship. It's not like me and Andy Bloom, where it's like total to the mattresses. But he was all charged up, and when I, he's like, "It's Matt Nahegian," I'm like, "Oh, okay." Um, and he says, "I want to. Can we have permission to use your audio on the air?" And I said, well, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Well, your podcast." He's like, "He's now he's all charged up. He's like kind of huffy at this point." He's like, y "You take our audio and criticize us on the air without asking us." So I'm doing you a professional courtesy of asking if I can use your audio to critique you on the air. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, "Well, sure. Um, you know, for what purpose?" And then like he caught me so off guard, I wasn't really sure what he was actually driving at. And I said, yeah, you, you could go ahead. I said, if you guys want to cr criticize us on the air, I heard what Mike was talking about, go for it and knock your, knock your pants off. Um, I say, but you could probably find some moments from the, our first couple of shows where the audio quality was real shitty. Uh, there was a couple of delays. So if you want to use that, be my guest. But I feel like that would be pretty cheap. But I'll take the stuff. I'll take our content and our topics above any of the, any of the direct that's been going on on Sports Talk Radio for the last few months. So... 
that's how it started off. And then we proceeded to talk for 41 minutes, kind of yelling back and forth at each other about um, the differences between podcasts and blogs and sports talk radio. And he's defending himself. What do you want me to talk about? The Eagles move the needle for us. You complain that we're repetitive, this and that. And we then we got in the podcast, and he's like, you think yours is good? Uh, you think yours is good? And then at that point, I hear Adam, you're velvety tones in the background as Matt is is playing the intro to our podcast and I got the impression he had never actually listened to it before and he was 10 seconds into your intro and he's going you think this is good this is no mic you think this is good um so yeah it's probably better if you guys just sort of ask me questions as to what the hell happened than me sit here and try and recount 41 minutes of us going back and forth yeah I got first question um how long have you been a douchebag with an Apple Watch? Has that been a while, or is this like a new thing? Day I one. I call my Apple Watch. D- Dude, everyone's got You work in New I'm York. I feel kidding. like everyone's got to be walking around with them. Uh, my first question is, has Mike uh, always disliked you? Has this always been a thing? Uh, Mike's a weird guy. Like, he, he can't. There is no one in existence that can get one up on Mike. And if you've listened to him for any amount of time, I think people would realize this. But having I did the great sports debate a bunch of times uh, with him. So, you know, I've met him on several occasions. He actually came to one of our quizzos. Uh, We've emailed back and forth a lot. So I, I don't know if I don't think it's been a bad relationship. In fact, there was a couple of instances where he was in some some shit where he got suspended for a few days here and there. And, you know, he's trying to spin his side of the story to me to to make himself look good. So um, I I feel like he always had a disdain for for blogs. But for a little while there, we had, a I think, somewhat cordial relationship. And then sometime around the Josh Innes thing, when he really started to become a focus of our coverage, he uh, like he would send me emails like shouting, how dare you give Josh this this publicity? And we would kind of go back and forth. But I'd say it's like the last six months where I've been really critical of some of the topics. And usually he kind of dodged that. And now he's kind of been the focus of some of it, or at least his station, where he's just been like on a little bit of a war path. So I, I'd say it's not, it's no longer cordial. Rush, you got a question? No, I really don't. All right, then I'm going to keep going. Uh, I, I guess, can I play devil's advocate, which is weird because we're kind of, it's more like a battle and I just have a question on the other side. Um, I, I see this in our iTunes comments all the time. Like we have all these really positive comments and in it they go, this is so much better than the direct that's on Philly Sports Talk Radio. What to you, like we're talking the Sixers and the Eagles and all that stuff. What is the direct? Like I'm like, what what is the big divide? Like, what was your point to Nahagan? So, I, look, first of all, I didn't call I didn't call him to yell at him. Um, so I wasn't really even. Yeah, he called up you to for, yell at you, which is interesting. Well, so I got the sense. Let's let's think about the environment that he was calling me first. So this is Friday. This is three days after a podcast fills Xfinity Live for a lottery party. Um, Matt is kind of an old school guy. I'd say he's in his like mid to late mid midish forties, but he's kind of an old school guy. He believes heavily in mainstream media. Um, I've gotten the sense over the years he's not super up on on new media, and like Mike, doesn't have a ton of respect for it. Gets that it's a thing, doesn't have a ton of respect. So this is three days after a podcast. A podcast. Oh, by the way, that is hosted by his direct competition at WIP. Phil's Xfinity Live. So I had the sense going into this that his back was up about podcasting and and he's realizing, oh shit, like there might be a little, you know, they got as many people there as we got for Fantasy Fest, which is their biggest event of the year. And I pointed that out to him and I don't think he liked it too much. Um, So that precipitated the call. As far as the sports talk radio thing, I said, I was like, look, the reason I, I just gave the 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 high level podcast sports talk radio debate where it was like you guys have been you guys spent two and a half months talking about the same draft topics and that gets repetitive to people. I was like, if you guys it's not that you can't have a good sports conversation. It's that your topics are repetitive when you guys have an entire day on your station about what a Philly guy is and whether this town would embrace Bryce Harper. That's just my, that is mindless dreck. And I think that is the complaint. A lot of people that you see in our comments or who are listening to this right now would have, it's not that 
if if something happens that you can't have a good sports conversation with any of those guys on the air, they're most of them are super knowledgeable and they have good guests and and that's fine. But especially when times are slow, the the topics are are mindless, lowest common denominator. And I that's kind of what I said to him. I was like, I think you guys are, are sort of missing the boat that you could talk about other things. Like we had a show talking about. We spent 10 minutes talking about those two, uh, the Flyers draft pick and the two potential guys they could pick at number two. I said Mike Missinelli literally talked about that for five seconds. Uh, and then that, we got into a whole thing after that about, well, how do you want us to talk about hockey, yada, 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 hamada, uh, hamada, hamada, apparently. Um, and it was like, it was like, look, man, there are other things to talk about than the Eagles and the draft. And when I put Mike on on Friday, he was talking about Dalvin Cook. I don't even know what the context is, but why why are we still talking about Dalvin Cook? Um, so it was basically anyone who's listening to this who has a complaint about sports talk radio being repetitive and yeah. lowest common denominator, which is pretty much what Matt cop to. He's like, we have to talk about the Eagles because if we're talking about anything other than the Eagles, people tune out. Uh, and I was like, yeah, sure. But there are a lot of people who also tune out because you're talking about the Eagles. So I get that you're in a uh, no win situation right now. It's slow. I run a website. I totally get that. However, um, you guys really have some topics that push people away and especially younger people. And I said to him, I was like, if you want to talk in depth on the Sixers and you're a hardcore Sixers fan, no one is going to you or Mike Missinelli. They're going to listen to something like Spike's podcast, which, oh, by the way, just had more people than you get for Fantasy Fest at Xfinity Live. And then he got his back all up and he's like, well, he's like, no, that's not true. If you want quality, you're listening to Mike. And he, at that point, he began to conflate quality delivery, I think, with quality. Um, he's like, you know, their delivery is not good on podcast. It doesn't sound good. You guys are professional hosts. And I was like, yeah, you know, but this is the blogs, newspapers debate from seven years ago. Like, is it a little rough around the edges? Is our audio as good? Are we as natural on the mic? No, but I think there are people who appreciate the content because it's a little bit more targeted and they can pick and choose what they want to hear. Uh, and he was like, well, no one's listening to Spike for Sixers. You're still going the mic. And I'm like, well, there's at least 3,000 people who would say otherwise who just showed up to to an event this week. So I think his whole back was up about new media last week, and uh, my tweets sort of sent it over the edge. Like, you know that of us three, I am the one that leans most towards traditional media of the spectrum of traditional and new. Hence, I've been in it. Uh, I'm still in it, kind of. That's kind of where the industry is. But I, I mean, I work at Bleacher Report, so disrupting is all about the kind of the makeup of what I do from an industry perspective. So I will not compare our 14 episode podcast to a guy that's probably been doing radio for 14 something years. The delivery method is different. The style is different. The purpose is different. Uh, we're not worrying about needles. Do we look at our last episode and realize that it was our most listened to and that we've shown growth in almost every episode and the comments keep coming, the tweets come coming in and, uh, it's really great. Sure. I guess my question, Kyle is you keep getting challenged now to doing traditional radio. What would be your game plan? If one, if 97.5 was like, no, we're giving you an hour. I know we've talked about this before about (laughs) doing the podcast in that hour, but uh, they're you're going. They're going to try and trap you into coming on the radio, and I'm just kind of curious how you'd approach that because the publicity will be great, but the opportunity for failure will be great, and that will be the audio that will be broken down for months. What? How the hell are you going to do that? Because eventually, it's going to become a, a he said, she said, get up here and prove yourself thing. <coughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because. Um, First of all, I think going back to the earlier point, like Matt's and Mike's thing is that you you guys aren't radio hosts and they they and you even heard it from Mike in that clip, or at least I think this was included in the clip we had in there where he's like, you know, this is hard. You guys try and get up here and do it. And I and no one no one has ever said that, by the way, that it is easy to do sports talk radio. I think that is a point. Oh, uh, Mike, really cre- Mike created a straw man about Mike. He created a straw man about criticisms and then played it into, well, you think it's easy to do this, which would be akin to a movie director uh, telling a critic, well, hey, you you try your hand at making a movie. I mean, that's really what we're we're getting at here. Um, So the my reasoning for like, hey, let's do the podcast on there is because you're right. If you know anything about Mike, he won't let anyone get over 
anything over on him, but he's not going to set that up to be successful. When I talked to his producer, Jason, who I, who I know as well, after he originally invited me on, he's like, yeah, Mike's going to set you up to fail. So uh, best case scenario is I go in there, um, maybe actually get a little bit of a good show and some good dialogue going on, and then Mike's going to pop in. Or you're right, he's going to pick the absolute worst moment, and they're going to replay it on the air, and it's going to turn into a drop anytime Crossing Broad every, ever writes anything yes. they don't want to do. So I'm not an idiot. Like, I would do it, and that's why I said, okay, let, in fact, this didn't even come up in the call with Matt. 41 minutes, we didn't actually even talk about this. We have a kind of a loose agreement to talk in a couple weeks about something else, uh, which I'll get to in a minute, but... That's why I was like, we should do the podcast on there, because I know that we could do an hour that people would be interested in listening to. And really, this is the dif- this is the difference between blogs and radio, and this is what I said to Matt. I was like, it's not that you guys are bad, but it's the cable news problem, which is you guys exist for 20 hours of live programming per day. And there's almost never, maybe now on cable news there is, but there's almost never 20 hours of content to fill that. Okay, so what happens is you have to repeat the same topics over and over again so you can hopefully hit people as they hop in and out for 20 minute bursts here and there. That's that's their model. And they are slaves to the meters. And for the person who might tune in for 20 minutes a day, that's fine. And when there's enough going on, those topics change every day. So each day you get a new topic, unless you're someone who listens for four hours at a time. Then it's CNN gets repetitive. I'm home all day. I watch cable news and it's the same shit every 20 minutes. Um, So I said, that's your, you know, that's part of the problem. That's not your fault. That's not, it's not your fault that sports are slow. However, the reason people gravitate, younger people especially, gravitate towards on-demand content on TV or podcasts is because we can now program our own own day. We don't, we can go to programs like ours or like Spike's um, or like any others where you can get 45 minutes of good conversation about something you're interested in and then move on. Like our Sixers conversation on Friday, we really discussed the draft. We have a few more things to talk about today, but we had a good conversation about the four guys they could potentially pick. And that's about a 30 to 45 minute conversation. It doesn't need much more than that uh, at that, at that level. And I was like, so this isn't really your fault, but the nature of what you guys do is that you have to be repetitive. And when it's slow, um, and lately, you guys have you know, chosen the same topics that are pushing people away because it is super surface level, uh, not intelligent, stuff detached from reality, straw man arguments that people people come to hate. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where we left it. And that's if we were to do an hour on the air, it would be different because we would program for one hour and we can make a good hour. Um, but to them, they would think that sucks because it's not this, it's not going to be the sort of thing that's going to spike the meter every 15 minutes. But when your business model is just trying to get people to stick around for another 15 minutes, that's how you turn into a bunch of teases and lowest common denominator stuff. It's a, you know, it's like the argument of a, a watching, keeping up with the Kardashians versus a good documentary. Like, the documentary's more quality, and I'm comparing us to a documentary, whereas anyone could just kind of hop into the Kardashians, and that's always going to get better ratings. I think that's that's the crux of the argument. Russell, do you have something now? I just have a comment, not a question. So like, Go for it. I think it's kind of, it's not disheartening, but I think it, it just kind of shows being tone deaf to the situation on Matt's, Matt's part. The three of us, I believe, fall into that key demo that radio stations should want to be drawing in. And if feedback from at least the three of us and then however many listeners we have has been that the sports talk radio conversation is stale, then they should be taking a cue from podcasts. Like, let's say for a second, like back to to this idea that that Matt said people are going to go to to Mike to listen to Sixers talk instead of like Spike's podcast or like Bodner's podcast. It's nonsensical because if you listen, pick any 10 minute clip that does not include a guest on sports talk radio, you will likely have in that 10 minutes, at least four minutes, four to six minutes that are taken up by callers who will call in to ask how Mike's doing, make a joke about the Godfather or some other movie. And they will very likely say, I agree with that last caller. Let's go trade everything that we have to get up to number one. (laughs) And if you listen to that on cycle for a few hours, Oftentimes, it's the same trade. It's the same idea that's brought up by a caller time and time again. So if you've got 40 minutes, and this is where like 
I've been trying to explain this to my wife. Like she, she doesn't think that podcasts to, to traditional radio is apples to apples, which I agree with, right? The idea is if you've got 40 minutes on your commute or, you know, 80 minutes total both ways and you're programming for yourself, like Kyle said, would you rather listen to content that fills up that 80 minutes or would you rather listen to commercials and people calling in with their trade ideas? And like, if Mike were to do a full episode that that's totally Sixers, or he did a full 40 minutes of Sixers content, I would argue that that 40 minutes of Sixers content, which he hasn't done, but if he were to do it, yeah, maybe his delivery will be better. Maybe it'll be, you know, shock jockey, but it's not going to be the same kind of content that you would find on a podcast that's geared towards content. So yeah, am I going to be nearly as good as Mike Mizzanelli? No. Did I go to school for it? No, you know, like it, 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 it is not necessarily. But a I'd also be willing to bet you can go deeper on a, on a six, a, the Sixers offseason topics that we've been talking about than Mike can. I don't know regards. about that. I like listen, I don't like that's that's the the, the, the this one tolting because I I agree with what Russell's wife says. They're just not apples to apples. Like podcast and radio to the same thing. Like we don't have a call board right now. You know, we don't have the the need to inform. We don't have commercials to get to and stuff. It's it is hard to compare the two, and it, it's the only thing that's similar is we're talking into microphones and people listen to us in their commutes. But it's not live. Like if if we fuck up right now or you don't like the fact that I just dropped the f word, you can edit that out. You know, that's it's why I'm seeing both sides of this. It's interesting. Well, yeah, but I, I totally agree with with both you and and Russ's wife, who, whom I've never met. Hey, um, what's up? Hey, lady. Um, no. So but I think part of the at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because what you're talking about is people's time. There's people have a finite people have a finite. I saw, someone, I saw someone tweet this and I couldn't agree more for the last 50 years whether it's broadcast television, broadcast radio, on a newspaper, everyone's been fighting for a time slot. Uh, whether it's radio, we're going for a certain time. Uh, you know, if you want to get that three to six, you know, if it's TV, you want to hit that that six to seven when the news happens. T- uh, print, it was you know the L one, the spot right on the front page, and now everything is jumbled into the same spot. And we're all fighting for the same 40 minutes in the hour. So yes. uh, that's, you know, look, that, the number one that, comment that's that I see on our iTunes is I want it five days a week. I want it all, every day in my commute. You know, everyone's trying to get whatever you have free time right now. And so they're almost at a disadvantage because, like you were saying, they need to fill those hours of programming. We got to do one hour. But we're only fighting for the hour. And I don't know if people have more than an hour in their day to listen. Well, and, and I agree with you, but that – Again, this goes not so much, and I said this to him, I was like, I get that. You guys have 20 hours to fill. So you're right. We're not comparing apples to apples. What we do is is really fundamentally different. But from if you just want to like take this to a high-level media standpoint, everyone is competing for attention. That's what anything is, whether it's TV, written word, spoken word. People are You're just competing for people's attention, and there's a finite amount of attention that people have. And in this day and age, there's so much content competing for that narrow sliver of attention. Um, and I think what you're seeing, like, if you're into Philly sports, there's only so much time in the day you have to listen, watch, or read about it. So if you take a, a site like mine, which is fundamentally different than a newspaper— I'm I'm competing with certain people for the attention. I'd rather them go to my site than Philly.com. And I think right. over the years, sites like not just mine, but sites that are are more targeted and more specific and and you know blog online in nature appeal more just the way they're laid out. The content matter, uh, the subjects appeal more to certainly a younger demographic. And that's really the same idea with podcasts. So while while podcasting and radio, yeah, they're completely different. We don't have to do as much, but that that's not our that's radio's problem, by the way. Because if we're if people have ninety minutes total in a day where they might listen to something, and we have people, and this is something I really should have said to Matt. I was like, well, you know, if you don't like it, I got the sense he had never listened to it. And he's like, you think this is good? I mean, he was judging us literally on your intro, Adam, that he was listening is to he, while is he now Bernie Sanders while speaking. <laughs> that's kind of he kind of talks that way. So you feel free to to do your burn whenever he comes up but 
He was he was 100% conflating the delivery, and he even said this about Spike's pot. He's like, well, it's a delivery. People are going to go to Mike if they really want to talk Sixers. But at the end of the day, and, and this somehow turned into a criticism of, of Mike, who I actually think is, is very good at what he does, and he just happened to be on the air at that moment, so we were talking about Mike. But talk, just applying this to radio in general, generally speaking, if you really are into the Sixers, sports talk radio is not where you're going to get the smartest discussion. End of story. There are some guys on there who really know their stuff. There are certainly guys like that with football. But if you're really into the Flyers, you're going to go listen to a, a Flyers or or a Greg Wyszynski's uh, uh, Puck Soup podcast. If you're really into the Sixers, like really down in the nitty gritty, you're going to do like a Rights to Ricky Sanchez sort of thing. Um, or you're going to appreciate the conversation we had on Friday. Like, sports talk radio, other than football, never really gets into those topics. And I even said the Matt, hold on one sec. I even said the Matt about the hockey thing. I was like, I get that hockey's not a thing and we can't spend that much time. But he was complaining to me. He's like, we have nothing to talk about. I said, you had the fly. What happened with the Flyers lottery was actually more important to the Flyers than either the Sixers lottery was or the Eagles draft. They, they're going to get a guy who's, who's probably going to shape their team for the next decade. And you didn't even pay lip service to it. I get that that doesn't move your ratings, but you're sitting here telling me it's the offseason and there's nothing to talk about. And your main host oh, on, oh, by the way, a station that broadcasts Flyers games just waves his hand at it and Matt's like well I don't know who they could possibly get I'm like it's your job to tell people you guys spent eight weeks talking about third round offensive linemen and you can't even feign to to know especially when your producer Jason is a guy who actually knows this stuff to even have a 10 minute conversation about why this is a big deal for a local team anyway back back to your point about the the podcast and I know I'm rambling on here no but, no no that was, I think well like to your point and then I'm gonna wrap it up on this but it's their pro- my point is that it's their problem that they have all this is, live content course. to fill like we're just all we're doing is competing for people's time in the car and their business model is such they need 20 hours of live audio it's their problem if if they can't if their best strength is being live and if that people who have a little bit of a discerning palate are just going to get in their car and program their own lineup. And Matt thinks that number of people is so shockingly small. I don't think he gets that there there is a whole generation or 10 years worth of age groups who I think now would, when they get in their cars, prefer to put on audio that is not just broadcast radio. So Kyle, it's been a while since there's been a Radio Wars post. Do you remember offhand what the the most recent numbers were of Mike versus Carlin and Reese? Oh, he's killing them. He's killing them. And so it's th- funny so that this, this turned is, into this a criticism where, so, of Mike because he's actually pretty yeah, good. So, so this is where I don't I don't get Matt's point and why I don't get Mike's reluctance to mix up the conversation. You're slaughtering your competition in the ratings. If there's ever a time for you to take a day, even one day, to just give it a shot, to diversify your conversation. To talk about the Sixers, to talk I, about the I Flyers, think, you're not. Before, gonna, I mean, how many people are going to really jump ship full time? Like, if you're a Mike Mizzanelli, he claims listener, it's a lot. He he claims if, that if uh, we talk see, Flyers that, for 15 minutes, our meters go down. But again, but that's the their problem. Is, if you have to then, program to the meter, that's your problem. Then that means your listeners aren't that loyal. And if and if that's the case, then that's a bigger issue. Like, if it were me, right, and I were confident that that all of my listeners really cared about what I said. And we've spent years building rapport and we've spent years having good conversation. The idea that one day I'm going to talk about the Sixers and the Flyers for a bit and my listeners are going to jump ship and never come back to go listen to Carlin and Reese. That's an insecurity thing. At least that that's the way that I would view it. I would want to believe that that my people are more loyal than that. And if they switch off because they don't like the Flyers, that if I switch off to go to another station, that when that station goes to commercial, they're coming back to me. I don't see where where there's a loss in in real, that side of things. Real quick, I know Adam Adam looks like he wants to say something, but to your point, I find that some of the things I listen to, whether it's websites I read or podcasts I listen to, some have them do with sports, some not. I find I'm most interested at times when they go into topics that I wouldn't have chosen to listen to. And I, I, I think I said something like this to Matt. I'm like, that Flyers topic was ultimately most of the people listening to your station, or a lot of them, are four for four Philly sports fans. They are people who like Philly sports. And I'm not telling you you had to have a day. And I, this isn't a, I don't want it to turn into a criticism of Mike because he's better than almost anybody else who does this. But 
you didn't need to have a day talking about the Flyers, but you guys could have spent 10 minutes explaining kind of like we did or uh, even just some other local media why this was actually a really big deal. Hey, the Flyers franchise may have just turned in a drastically upward direction by their stroke of luck. Like that's an interesting conversation. And at the end of the day, most people are sports fans. And even though they may not have been tuning in for Flyers talk that day, they're probably going to be interested in and oh, by the way, enlightened to be like, oh, holy shit, the Flyers just got a super one of two superstar centers. Like I, that, to your point, is like if 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 people are really into what they're listening to, you are okay if people tell you something new. That's fine. And so I agree uh, with you. I want to say I want to say first, Russell, uh, great point. I think the hardest thing for media right now is becoming a person that doesn't rely on teams or players or issues, but can rely on your own style and your own unpackaging to create an audience because that will follow you. Uh, people don't listen to Bill Simmons, you know, just for, they, they like the way he does his thing. And then I'm going to want to hear him talk about a bunch of other things. That's why he's gotten to the point he is. Um, the other thing uh, that you guys were just talking about when you originally sent us this clip of, of Mike freaking out, he had just freaked out about someone being okay with the Flyers in comparison to the other three teams. And that's a radio thing that I always hear every time I come home is it's always, let's talk about of the four teams, whose mascot do you like the most? Like, it's always like, well, all four teams are kind of average. So let's jump, jumble all four teams together and compare the Flyers to the Eagles. I don't give a fuck about the Flyers and the Eagles compared to each other. Like they're two different teams. Their success. If one is success, like it's always, if one team never wins, but the other team wins, who do you want that to be? Uh, no, like they're not mutually exclusive. Like I can like the Flyers and the Eagles. We did have that as a question ways. on our first show. Oh, it, it happens. <laughs> like I, I get it because like, but that's what a lot of fans are used to their radio shows asking them. Yeah. And then we wonder, and then Russell goes, wait, I have to listen to fan questions for 20 minutes. And we go, but see, they directed the fan question into some like unnecessary topic. So, all right. So let's, that was that conversation. Let's, let's do our Sixers conversation, starting with Bill Simmons. Let's, let's live in that world. Bill Simmons for the second time goes on his national podcast that gets million dollars in revenue more than all these radio stations and he goes out there for the second time says i think the sixers trade is going to happen and the thing i went and listened to his podcast openly started gloating about how great it's going to be to have dario Saric on the celtics roster in a trade in which it was dario the lakers pick and the third pick that's what he said so Here's what I love to hear when the opposing team talks about what they want in a trade, because then I get, it's like kind of hearing like, you know, what your friend is, is going to insult you in like a rap battle or something like that. So they're saying Dario, the Lakers pick the third pick. And they're talking about how great Dario is. And we don't really need him because, well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't, I don't know if we need, man, I'm not sure Fultz is definitely the guy. You know what I mean? And I'm hearing that and going, wait, why are we getting rid of Dario? I I just, from the Sixers perspective, I don't know if I want to make that trade, especially after hearing him talk about it. Um, I would make it. By the way, when you say Simmons makes millions of dollars and whatever, I pointed that out to Matt. I was like, but there are people podcasting that are wild. And he's like, who, who? I don't think he realized there's there's massive audiences out there. But again, we, we can, we're going to come back to that conversation. Um later a different show um as far as the sixers i'd do that trade i'd prefer to do that trade with okafor included and to be clear this was definitely yes. bill simmons speculating but look if there's a guy who's who's uh dialed into the world of nba trade rumors but also the celtics um, and also I, knows that certain people listen to his show absolutely absolutely look when so, you're a gm you get articles on your desk you get you know what people are talking about and if simmons talks about it pops on your desk you, you you're getting you're getting notified uh, it's very interesting that danny ainge really wants dario sarge and to, and essentially intimated to simmons to go on and and put that's it what out i would there. assume too yes yeah because if there's one gm in in basketball who uses the media as a manipulative it is absolutely danny ainge how many trade deadlines does that guy come out of where he says we had a deal on the table, but the other team backed out. 
And the media almost never calls him to the carpet on it. They just kind of deal with it and say, man, Danny Ainge, man, he's he's trying to make this team better, but the other team backed out. The narrative is very rarely, at least with Boston media, that Danny Ainge failed to acquire a guy and that it's his fault. Right. It's always the other team's fault. So he's a master so manipulator Kyle, you, of the media. Kyle, you would do the Dario trade to get Markel Fultz? I would do it. I would prefer to do Okafor. But now you know, again, I, we don't know if Angel leaked this, but I wouldn't be surprised if if this was, you know, Simmons informs speculation or rumor mongering about it. And right. some degree this comes from the Celtics. If you think they want Sharich, then... Um, I would still do this. I think Fultz, if, if there is a, a a number one thing that you can come out of this draft with, the, the Sixers, the Eagles, Jesus, the Sixers have so many options, so many assets. You do what you can to get a guy like Fultz. That would make, as Simmons said, this would be your team, if healthy, if everyone's healthy, for the next 10 years. You'd have your right, guard. So I believe, yeah. I believe that both of you tweeted over the weekend, I know what I want the Sixers to do. Yeah. I am ready to stand on this hill and make my announcement. Let's go to Russell. Uh, Russell, what do you want the Sixers to do? Write it down, etch it into stone, lift your tablet to the sky, and say, Lord, make this real. I don't know if this is what I want them to do, but <laughs> first of all, you can can't I just, commit first, to anything. Listen, I know. I literally all, was like, are you actually married to your wife? First of all, wait, hold on. Yes. First of all, I want to point out that the Philadelphia Union had their first four game win streak in, in, uh, in their oh, team's history this weekend. I saw so, you tweeting. I already about did. It. Yeah. Um, they had four game win streak. Fantastic. Six games unbeaten. Believe me. Great. All right. Anyway, you. um, you're welcome. I hope that makes the radio. Um, so here's here's the deal. I have two scenarios. I have one where Kyle Scott's dream comes true and the Sixers sign Lowry. And then I've got one that is more palatable for me, but is highly less realistic. And it goes like this. If you're going to sign Lowry, you trade the number three pick. I will give up the Lakers pick, which I've been very reluctant to do. And Jaleel Okafor for number one, knowing that Okafor has little to no value on the trade market. But if there's been one critique this this postseason, especially in the series with the Cavs, last night's three-point win nonwithstanding, it's been that they've been unable to create shots for themselves. And love or hate Okafor, if you're Prokafor or Nokafor, it doesn't matter. You have to admit the fact that when you dump the ball into the post, your possession dies, but Jaleel Okafor will create his own shot. The guy can play in the post. So You're trading for Fultz? Yeah. And like signing that, Lowry? That, that, and that's part of signing Lowry. And I'll explain that oh, in a second. Okay. Yeah, just, just yeah, go ahead. work with me. All right, well, I'll pack the, it quick. The other scenario is you don't sign Lowry. And what you end up doing, and I think I brought this up to Kyle before, and Kyle like was about to absolutely light me on fire and never let me on the podcast ever again. You trade Okafor, number three, the 2018 Sixers pick, and the right to swap picks in 2019 for the number one pick in Al Horford. And it's based on oh. this. And No, wait, hold on. That's not real. No, listen. That's, that's what I'm I said. It's, I would do it, but Boston, I know well, Boston's not, not I doing that. I know it's that. not real, but listen. This is the only reason that I think it works. doesn't work. Okafor, Okafor, when compared to Horford, and, and maybe we should add this onto the podcast as a, as a nice little uh, screen grab. Statistically, they've been pretty darn close the last two years. Did you years. see what Horford did last now, night? Now, listen, hold on. Hold on, buddy. Okay? Buddy. Horford, Horford's got $27 million against the cap for them for the next two years, and then a player option for over $30 million. Let's assume that Boston wants to re-sign Avery Bradley and or Isaiah Thomas and acquire Hayward and maybe try to make a play in the Paul George or Jimmy Butler sweepstakes. They cannot do that with Al Horford's money on the books. He's the biggest contract they have, and he's the albatross to their cap situation for the next few years. But that doesn't make so, the Sixers the landing spot. It makes the Sixers the landing spot if they don't have a max guy at that point. And if they don't sign Lowry, they don't have a max. <clears throat> the only time that they would run into an issue is if they were to max Embiid, they would still have a year's worth of time to make it work and let Horford's contract expire before they would then have to offer contracts to Sarge and to Simmons. It's essentially helping a, a conference rival with a salary dump in exchange for them then being able to go out and get stars. I'm but not saying it's going to happen. They're in a title chase. 
You don't salary dump each other. Okay, so okay. if no so they're, they're in a title chase, no, but how well if, did that work in game two? And if, how well has Horford worked out for them as a whole? If no trades happen, Russell, who is your guy at three? I don't want to pick it. Can't, can't no, commit. You have to. All right, it, if you had a pick. Preliminary. We could pencil these in and revisit. Go. 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 Frank, Frank Takina. Stop. Oh, Really? Oh I, listen, I don't want Josh Jackson. I don't want. I don't want Josh Jackson. I'm sorry. It's, I don't this is like when he three. picks the Union as his favorite team. Uh, no, excuse me, second favorite. Thank right. you. It's all right. Sixers first. So I'll. I my my. What do you my, want to happen? Okay, what I want to happen. The Sixers do whatever they can to trade up and get faults. If I would prefer that to not include Charich. And uh, I would rather it be Okafor. But if the Sixers could get Fultz, that is the dream scenario. That's the the exact player you need. He's young. You're not going to have to spend the free agent max contract to get the shoot the guard who can score and handle the ball. He's your guy if you can get Fultz. But I'm going to sort of recalibrate my expectations and know that that is not um, not that it's not doable. It sounds like it you know it might be. There's enough smoke out there, but that's not within your control. So if the if the Sixers are in their own control, control here and picking to me i spent i spent four hours saturday morning while watching my kid in the josh jackson kyle lowry malik monk youtube wormholes what i would do take jackson don't overthink it jackson's the best most highest upside nba player of this lot he's really good he gets after it defensively you would have a crazy good defensive team with a bunch of guys six eight and over if josh jackson's on your team he can run in transition the more i watch his shot it really didn't he was open a lot in the second half of the season because people were sitting off him but his shot he made the shots and he does hit some contested jumpers his jump shot will come he's crazy athletic imagining him and oh by the way he can create and distribute in a way that is like sim Simmons light at times, especially when he's gaining the paint with him and Simmons attacking from the slot and running pick and rolls with Embiid. Um, he is Josh Jackson would be the guy. But if you do that, you sign Lowry. And I know Russ is going to hit his head here. And there's a lot of Sixers people who are going to hit their heads. But uh, again, going down the Kyle Lowry wormhole, he's really good. OK, and I get that he's 31. I get that he's going to be expensive. But if you put a team out there with Kyle Lowry, Josh Jackson, uh, Joel Embiid, and Bed Simmons, and just fill those pieces in, whether it's Sharich, you have Okafor coming off the bench if somehow this is, if he'll agree to that. Um, you have Covington. I mean, th- this team would be a, 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 genuine playoff team next year and a very good top three team in the east two years from now kyle lowry is really good his shot is the more i watch his shot his it's not that his he's not a natural shooter and seeing him in college i still have trouble believing that he's a 40 plus percent uh nba three-point shooter he gets his feet set so quickly though and that's the sort of thing that can age well. His driving ability and his speed will decline over time, but that's when you start moving the ball more to Simmons' hand. I think you have a really good team if you have Kyle Lowry and Josh Jackson. I know people don't love it. The Sixers would be really good and exciting for the next few years, and they would still not be so hamstrung that they couldn't re-sign and beat in a few years, or even they'd have to get creative with Simmons. But again, uh, uh, the process mindset of this is don't sign Lowry because you're going to need that money for Embiid and Simmons and someone else. You're looking three years down the road. Who knows if Embiid's healthy? Who knows if Simmons is healthy? Who knows if Simmons fits here or we, we hate him because he's kind of aloof and he gets pushed out somewhere. No, no that's, that's, that happen. that's part, no, of, why, I know, but that's part that, of why I'm changing my opinion on, on okay. signing Lowry at least a bit. It's really and what good. I said before about, I, I'll tell you why I don't want Josh Jackson, why I don't want a forward. Okay. Well, hold on. I didn't want to make my pick. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can't be shitting on guys I haven't even picked yet. Um, I want JJ Redick more than I want Kyle Lowry. I know that I find both of them highly unlikely, but I think that a three point shooter is more important to the development of our big men with space in the lane than a ball dominant point guard with Ben Simmons on the roster. That's just Lowry shot 10, three, eight, three point last year. I, I like Lowry too. I'm just saying uh, Simmons what needs the ball, right? That's what we're being told. So I want the guy on the wing. Um, if we stay at three, I'll go Jackson as my number one option. 
and I'm going Darren Fox as my number two option. I will be the Darren Fox guy in this in this uh, little bunker of ours. Um, I just think De'Aaron Fox and Ben Simmons, I think the defensive side of De'Aaron Fox, everyone talks about offense. I just think De'Aaron Fox is going to be out there blowing people away with his speed, and I like him a lot. I really think he's great. And then I think if they trade down and go to five, or they want to go lower and they go with a Fox or a Monk, and they're able to get maybe a Monk there at a little bit lower, I totally get it. Um, But I'll say this. Carson Wentz. We traded all those picks, and it was completely worth it because we got our quarterback of the future. If everyone everyone's shitting on the Chicago Bears, if Mitchell Trubisky ends up being the quarterback of the future, all of those people that shit on that draft are going to be eating their words because they got their quarterback. If they truly believe, this is the front office, that Fultz is the guy, get rid of picks. Get rid of picks. Start getting rid of the picks next year, Lakers pick, whatever. I wouldn't want you to keep Dario Shards because I do believe that he could be that fourth member of the core. I think he is that Draymond Green that is that piece defensively, but also is like a versatile guy. I, I think he's so important to the mindset of this team. I'm giving away future possible good players, and I'm keeping the players that I already know are good. Let let the Celtics make picks because we've seen that Danny Ainge and his draft is not that great of a drafter anyway. And we know in Philadelphia that taking draft picks does not guarantee that they're going to be great. So if you believe Fultz is the guy and you truly believe he's head and shoulders above, I'm trading away all of my, like not all of my, a good portion of my future assets to secure him because that is the answer. That's, that's where I've gotten a lot more into the, trade up for number one. That's why I don't want to pick at three. I don't want to add a forward because you still have depth internationally within your your organization. This is like a Furkan Korkmaz thing for another day because right. I saw somebody ask about him. Um, adding another forward to the mix that already has Saric, who will then likely get pushed to the bench at some point, Covington, who's going to be coming up on a contract, and Simmons, who I really still am, think is, is going to be the guy defending small forwards, not point guards. Adding another forward to that mix really just clouds up the situation. I will say this. I I think I've come around to the camp of being at least at peace with them signing Lowry, but I want them to draft Fultz. And the reason is pretty simple. The likelihood a of a Ben guards. Simmons uh, the, the likelihood of a Ben Simmons possible injury is enough to scare me into wanting to have an insurance policy. And another big part of that is I would like to see what happens with Lowry as a mentor of sorts for Fultz and as a de facto point guard. I would like to see having three guys who at any given possession could handle the ball. Second unit comes in. One of those guys still stays on the court as the floor general. And you can say that it's a lot of guards. But realistically, the only guards on the roster are Timothy Luawu Cabarro, Jared Bayless, TJ McConnell. Like what? I, yeah, there's but not you're a essentially there. arguing there's a bigger log jam at forward for, for this me. Team. It's just it's just like to expect to sign a big uh, an all star in Kyle Lowry and get the 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 noted top player in the draft. It's just a lot of th- like I just don't think that that's where the Sixers are. Like those things don't happen to this franchise yet. That's an ins- well, I mean, even if it happens, that's an you called it an insurance policy. That's one of the most expensive insurance policies in NBA history. Yeah. And you're using the the argument against Lowry is he's going to maybe stunt Simmons' growth. Um, you know, he's expensive. At bringing him on along with another guy who you absolutely want with the ball in your hands in Fultz and paying Lowry. I'm not from a a strategic team building standpoint. I don't hate having three. I'm a I'm a Villanova fan. I I like basketball teams where four guys on the court can dribble and create their own shot and and play the guard position. But I I don't think that's that's realistic. But I'm glad that you're coming around on Lowry and finally seeing the light. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, you. I know you got to go, so I I could respond to Adams. Uh, yeah. Fox and well, yeah, no, I wanna, no, no, no. like I I want to get more into this on Wednesday. But like, okay. I I do think I do think there's something to be said for we put a lot of stock into Ben Simmons as a point guard or as a point forward as a ball handler, but we haven't seen what that looks like at the NBA level with legitimate players. Don't give me summer league. We haven't seen what that looks like. We haven't seen what it looks like with Simmons guarding point guards. We haven't. You need to have guards on the floor to, to guard the one and the two. Say what you want. Unless you're going to have Robert Covington exclusively guarding 
the opposing shooting guard and having the up, the off ball guard like Jared Bayless guarding the point. I haven't seen enough yet. The knock on Simmons in college was that he didn't hustle on defense. I I haven't seen a big enough pro um, cross section of of games. There's not a big enough sample size to prove that what we think Ben Simmons will be at the pro level is what he was in college. <laughs> I gotta go. I you have to go, Russell. This is one thing. In the next two days, try and listen to Missinelli. And Wednesday, because we're just unpacking the situation, listen, because I don't want us to be boldly claiming that it's stale without listening to it. So we're going to do two days, Wednesday, unpack it, and then we'll keep talking. That, Kyle, Russ is going to bounce. Right. Kyle, what's up? Yeah, Adam, that's a project for you. I mean, I don't, I don't listen to much to to sports talk radio anymore. But I mean, well, I you listen, need to hear a little no, bit. But, well, that's what I listen enough for what I do. I mean, I've covered it enough over the last four years where I've spent plenty of time. Because I don't listening. like lodging complaints. At people I agree. That um, I'm I I can't speak for Russ. I would assume that he spent enough time listening. I don't know how much you listen in New York. I'm pretty well versed in in their topics, both from uh, knowing the producers and following what they do and what their topics are on a daily basis, and actually listening. Okay. So I, I I agree with you, and I, I will. And this is my my point with Matt. Like I, Mike's actually pretty good at what he does, um, and I get that they are sort of stuck in a no man's land because of the they're having to fill twenty hours in Philly sports right now is super difficult. I get that. Um, so I'm not as much of a zealot as Russ is. I kind of get their pain points, but their pain points are also not it, part of their problem. Is the medium that they have to fill twenty hours, and that's the, it's like newspapers. Like, well, how do we still find the economics to print a newspaper? Well. Hey, sorry, that's not that's not my problem. People's habits are changing and they have different wants and needs or other options. It's not that part of the problem with newspapers is. Well, here, hold on. So let me let me shed some perspective on. So this was always a thing in TV when I would work in newsrooms um, is you always have to feed that beast. And when you have to feed that beast, it's hard to do more creative big projects. But they would see all the time in sweeps, you would have uh, these big stories that took weeks and months to do. And they would promote it and they'd advertise it. And the graphics look great. And the shots look great. And surprise, surprise, the ratings did really well. Uh, and then you go, wow, I wish we could do that all the time, but you can't. And the only way that you can is if you increase payroll and you hire more producers and you hire more reporters and all that stuff and you can create this other stuff. Now, radio is more interesting because it's about thought creation. You know what I mean? It's about ideation. It's about being different, being thought provoking and changing the wheel. Uh, and this is something that we've talked about for a long time. The names in Philly have been there for a very long time and it's hard to teach old dogs, new tricks, but I do think that the talent is there with these, with these guys that are on the radio right now. And I think that, I think it's also the hardest it's been to be in traditional media than it's ever been. Um, because all of the targets are moving and for the longest time, let me ask a question on Twitter and then do the responses on radio, but the people that are on radio aren't necessarily on Twitter, and I also have my own brand on Instagram, and then I have a different brand on Snapchat, and then I also have to have my podcast, which is a different truncated version of my radio show. Like We have like 19 different audiences that we're catering to, and it's not like iTunes where it's all downloadable at one spot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think anyone who's paid attention, and this is where I get the sense that Mike and, and Matt really don't actually pay attention when I when I criticize them and they'll see my tweets that are really in response to Miss Ellie calling me a weasel where I have my back up a little bit. My I would never really I don't think I've rarely have gone as far to call someone on sports talk radio an idiot or dumb or bad at what they do. Uh maybe on occasion lazy. Um, yeah, did that offend you at all? What, the weasel thing? Yeah, like when he was calling you, does that offend you? No, no, I'm always like I'll see the tweets. I'm not usually listening when that happens. Um, no, look, I I take it. I was hopeful they never wound up critiquing us on air. By the way, I probably should have said that earlier. At least that oh, yeah. I know of. I listened for a little while. I'm sure would have got some tweets if they did. But I'm of the school. Like, any publicity, especially in that regard, where it's not this isn't important stuff. Okay, this is all yeah. sports stuff. Any publicity is good publicity. So I, I don't really care. And the fact I find it funny that Mike 
will say, well, why would I spend time talking about that guy? And almost every week I somehow come up on his show. Um, so you could take that however you want. But I, I don't think my, my criticism isn't of, of the people. I think there are talented people. It's, it's more of the format and the model and what the incentives are. The incentives for sports talk radio are to have the most, for all of us, we want to have a lot of readers or listeners. Absolutely. You can't do anything without that. But the incentives of sports talk radio are such that they want to keep every 15 minutes, they want to keep that meter at its max level it can possibly be. And the best way to do that is to repeat certain topics that they right. know will generate. Yeah, you're, calls well, now you're repeating your topics. No, absolutely. But I, but yeah. like you're saying, you know, it's tough for them. There are talented people. I agree with you. But part of the problem and like what you talked about with TV sweeps, that stuff costs a lot when you want to do really in-depth reporting right. or really good some sort of special programming. It costs a lot. The cost and the overhead for radio and TV are astronomical. And what what has happened and this is what happened with newspapers and blogs, the cost to produce the content words came first immediately once you could write on the internet it made the whole printing press completely useless for the most part and newspapers only continue to exist because they're so wrapped up in their in their current business model that they can't just stop printing a newspaper that's happening to a a medium degree with radio because it's some it's we have we're sitting here with mics and we could produce listenable quality remotely while you're in new york and i'm here in bucks county sitting on a laptop Video is a little tougher. Video requires the most production quality. So you see some stuff that's watchable on YouTube that individuals can create, but generally speaking, video costs more. But the problems for radio and TV is that their overhead is so much to really do, they're stuck in their business model, and to really do quality programming, it costs a lot of money that we could, we could you know, there are individuals and independent people who can create content that's better for a fraction of the cost, regardless of the medium. So the problem, the problem largely with radio, it's not so much the host and the producers, it is the, it's the format and their incentive structure. It's very interesting. Look, can we, I talk we, about we, Fox real quick? Your Aaron yeah, Fox yeah. thing? So I, I agree with you on Fox. I, I think Fox is a freak. His shot, he doesn't really fit with the Sixers because he, he really is not a good shooter. Like he's a That's lot why of people, if you get JJ and him, it's gold. I, yeah, I'm the, I don't hate that. Um, I agree Fox gets after it defensively, but I think Josh Jackson does the exact same thing defensively, and he's taller and longer and could defend uh, more, more NBA you know, he could defend uh, at least three and a half positions in the NBA, whereas whereas Fox can defend maybe the definitely the one and maybe the two. So that's that's where I differ there. I agree Fox is really good. I just I'd hate the concept of having two guys who are going to need the ball, but really aren't a threat to pull up and shoot from the three point line. I think Jackson at this point is probably a better shooter than Fox. And he has a lot of other skills on Malik Monk. um, my third option, one would be trading for Fultz. Most realistic would be drafting Jackson and signing Lowry, which the Sixers would probably have the most uh, control over. Not that they can make Lowry's decision, but um, I think option number three for me would be to trade back, somehow get five and ten from the Kings, draft Malik Monk at five. This almost this would have been easier for the Sixers if they just got five because Monk is is the player. He is the role they need. I think he's going to be like a Clay Thompson light the way his game is. He's two inches shorter. But yeah, I mean Clay he is like just, an all NBA defender. Yeah you know no, I, I mean like that's I agree. The part M- of the play. Monk's problem is that he's not a great defender and it looks like he can get that sort of swaggy P thing going on where he's just shooting like and interested six, in nothing else. I that's why I called him light. He's two inches shorter than than Clay. I think he's six four. Clay's listed at six six when I checked. So yeah, he's shorter, but that's his game. Like his scoring game is couple of bounce, spot up three. He has Clay's I think range and streakiness is the is the the where they're most like each other. That is what the Sixers need, but they don't need it at three. If they could trade back, get him at five, this is really deep. You can maybe have like a Dennis Smith fall to 10. I could see a scenario where that happens. Or one of these guys we're talking about, like an Isaac maybe, or a Tatum, less likely because he's more of a short thing, fall to 10. That wouldn't be a bad situation if they can get I just him, don't think the Kings will a, ever trade with – you think the Kings will trade with the Sixers again? That would be Like hilarious. that's the part of this that no one factors in. Like we've just been like for two weeks being like, oh, the Kings are idiots. <laughs> Thanks so much for the pick swap. And they're like, hey, 
Want to make another trade? It's like, it would, no, they're not going to do it. It would be so poetic if we gave them back their, their third pick and then took their 10th again. No, I agree. And I don't think that's likely, but I do. I don't like, I don't hate the idea of trading back for Monk. I think the most aggressive move, the most Colangelo move and likely is Jackson makes sense. Um, he's just really good. And signing Lowry, that accelerates things. Trading back and, and taking Monk is probably the wisest, most processy thing to do. Because he fills a need, he's going to take a little time to develop an all-around game, but you'll probably pick up another another top draft pick out of it. That's the most processy thing to do, and I, I don't think Colangelo's in that mindset, but I wouldn't hate that either. I really like Monk. I like all these guys except Tatum. I don't want any parts of Tatum. He bores here's, me. Here's the one thing that I think everyone should, should, should take note. The first two picks feel like locks if there's no trade, right? It feels like Fultz and then Ball. So the yeah. Sixers have the de facto then first pick of the rest of the draft of mm-hmm. this next cluster. So as these GMs begin to look and they go, man, I is is Fox going to be there at four? You know, is is Jackson going to get past four? The Sixers could be in a hotbed of trade activity. And think about what the 49ers just did in the NFL draft. They were not going to take a quarterback, <laughs> but they convinced uh, Adam Schefter and all of them, hey, they might take a quarterback there at number two. They could do that. Let's see the PR games that Colangelo starts to play. Let's start hearing the buzz out of Philadelphia. Because if you draft what the buzz is, then he's just openly telling people what he wants. Mm -hmm. Let's see the kind of activity that Colangelo drums up. And then also, which media members? Every Philly story lately has been Jane McManus. Let's see who starts leaking Sixers rumors and who is Colangelo's guy. With all the ESPN firings, a lot of the reporters have changed. You know, there's no more Mark Stein and stuff. So let's see who gets the buzz because that's what I'm going to be looking at. I don't want to talk too much because we don't have rust and I I don't want him to go anywhere. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, We unpacked everything that happened with Missinelli uh, uh, on Friday. We welcome comics, feedback, all that stuff. And please leave a five-star review. We're at 99 as of this recording. As we go on to our 100 and stuff, triple digits, it'll be pretty sick. Uh, leave a question there in under your five-star review. I'll make sure to read it. We'll get to some of those on our Wednesday episode of the podcast. Kyle, do you feel like this was at all cathartic? talking out your Friday episode. Yeah, I wish I was a little... I wish I had finished off the coffee before we got into that. I needed. I think I need a little more oomph at the top, but uh, that's all right. you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Russell's not here. For Russell, for Kyle, I am left. Go follow Russell at Joy on Broad. Kyle, obviously, crossing broad. And I am at Adam Lefko. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Enjoy the beginning of your week. Talk to you soon.